Direct Line, religious topics without preaching. Mixing politics and religion and not shying away from controversy. You're not going to find all your answers, but you will always find an opinion. This is Direct Line. And now your hosts, Greg Taylor and Stephanie Spangler. Well, good morning, Direct Line listeners. This is Stephanie Spangler, your host this morning. And usually we have with us Greg Taylor, but he is on vacation this week. So once again in studio, taking Greg's place is Terry Goodwin. Hey, how are you guys doing today? It's great to be here again. (laughs) Yeah, we're glad to have you, Terry. Um, Well, we have a great show lined up for you today. Some really uh, different things lined up for you today. Um, Let's let's just dive in, Terry, and say that here at Second Church last week was a big week, wasn't it? A big, big week. Yeah, (laughs) special week. Yeah, we had the Global Leadership Summit. And so we've talked about the GLS um, repeatedly on Direct Line, and we've, we made it through. It was an amazing GLS, didn't you think? I loved it. I thought it was a great time, great presentations. I, I liked everything about it. Yeah, if you're not familiar with what the Global Leadership Summit is, it is a leadership uh, conference that is produced by Willow Creek um, Church up in Barrington Heights, and the Global Leadership Network produces this conference, and they had such an amazing lineup of speakers. You know, Terry, when we first started, I thought, there's like some nobody speakers here that I don't really know. I don't know if it's going to be that good, but I thought the lineup of speakers was actually one of the best that they've ever had. Did you agree? I do. I think every speaker was captivating mm-hmm. and inspiring and I, for me that's what it's all about it's making sure i can take something away from each person right now you you were not in our building i, I was, was not. i was in the main auditorium we had it going in two different venues here this year and i was in the main auditorium but you were at the danville correctional center yeah daryl paddock and i got to go to the danville correctional center and we were with about 30 of the mentors from the building block program mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, we watched the global leadership summit there and got to experience it along with the guys there in the correctional center did you have a favorite speaker, and did you think the guys had a favorite speaker? Yes and yes, but remembering <laughs> names is hard. Yeah, it is hard. So remembering hard. names of speakers was hard. But one of the one of the speakers that I thought was just amazingly <laughs> inspiring was the gentleman, uh, and I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but he uh, is the one that claimed to to invent the flaming Hot Cheeto. Montagnanas or something. Yeah. Mr. Montagnana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that sounds about <laughs> right. But his story was so inspirational yes. just to, to see that anybody, anybody could right. get to where they want to be just by putting in a little effort and trying and being willing to take chances. And what I loved about him was the credit he gave to women in his life. Yeah, I mean, he great. got up and he said, I, I'm uneducated. Um, you know, I, I didn't even learn to read until I was married. Right. My wife taught me. And he, he said, everything I learned about leadership, I learned from my mother and my grandmother. Yep. <laughs> and I appreciated that. But he was a, a janitor at Frito-Lay right. and worked his way up to now is he CEO of something, I think. There. I, mean, I don't know He's what it is. He's got a lot of money. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> he has a lot of money, but he has a lot of influence, too. Yes. And so did the guys at the prison appreciate his oh, story? Oh, they loved it. Yeah? They loved it. They couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah. to, to think. And and we had conversation afterwards and, and had a chance for the guys to talk. And mm-hmm. they just felt so inspired by that to know that that you can come from basically the the dust sure. not that there's anything wrong with being right, a janitor right. but to to think of the transformation in this man's life and the steps of influence 
that he took as a janitor. Right. He right. he didn't just say, I'm just a janitor. He said, I have influence right. and I have an opportunity. Right. I loved the guy that talked about civility and being kind. I mean, it was such a basic principle that, you know, you come to a leadership conference and you think, oh, I'm going to learn all these steps about how to be mm -hmm. a great leader. And and what was his name? Shola. I think that was his name. Shola. Mm -hmm. He talked about, really, we need the art of civility back and treating one another with kindness and respect. Right. And I appreciated the vulnerability, I think, of many of the speakers this year. I mean, he was one that talked about how he hated his job so much that he drove off a bridge one morning yep. on the way to work. Yep. And, um, you know, really getting to that point that you are willing to commit suicide because you're so unhappy. And, of course, there may have been other things going on in his life that we don't know about. But um, civility was was one, one of those things that I came away with. Now, Greg told me that one of his favorites was Albert Tate, who was the closing speaker. Um, and he was amazing, too. He, yeah, he, I didn't get to see Albert to see Tate him? Oh, okay. because of the transition That's leaving right. the correctional center, but That's uh, right. I'm looking That's forward right. to it. Well, let's talk about um, real quickly, too, uh, yesterday, uh, a second well, we're, we're, we're filming this or recording this on Monday morning, so mm -hmm. we're talking about yesterday. It was called Redemption Sunday. Talk a little bit about what happened here, Terry, yesterday. Yeah, so yesterday here at Second Church, we were able to, to host, um, uh, obviously our congregation mm -hmm. came in, but... We, we showed a program called the Building Block Program. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a documentary that was mm -hmm. created to highlight what's happening at the Danville Correctional right. Center. Mm -hmm. That they, They're trying to help guys' lives change mm -hmm. for the better and mm -hmm. uh, help them develop and give them responsibility to help mentor one another. It's a great program. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also had a guest speaker. His mm -hmm. name was Ronaldo Hudson, mm -hmm. and he used to be incarcerated here at the Danville Correctional yeah. Center. So it was a great, great experience to hear his story of redemption. It was so great that we've decided this morning on Direct Line that we're going to let you guys uh, hear uh, both the building block video and the interview that we did with Ronaldo Hudson yesterday in all three of our services. So uh, we want you to stay tuned. When we come back from the first break, we're going to actually listen to the audio from the building block documentary video. And I think it's something that you'll really want to hear because many people don't know what's going on at the Correctional Center. It's, you know, it's this one of the largest employment places, I think, in Vermilion County. Um, um, obviously, the population there is a great amount of, of population, and so it's always good for us to know what's going on out there. So stay tuned after these commercials, and we're going to listen to the Building Block documentary video. Introducing Aunt B. She is Sunset's new comfort dog. Not only will she comfort our guests, but she will also answer questions regarding youth and funerals. I'm Judy Fraser. I would suggest that you email Aunt B today. Did you know that by planning your funeral or cremation ahead of time, you can lock in today's prices and make affordable monthly payments? I'm Judy Fraser, and if pre-planning is on your mind, I would suggest that you make just one phone call, Sunset Funeral Homes and Cremation Centers. Robinson Chiropractic wants you to know that you're never too young or old to benefit from chiropractic care. Robinson Chiropractic can help increase your mobility and range of motion. Plus, regular alignments just make you feel better. Come get acquainted today. Robinson Chiropractic is located at the corner of Vermillion and Poland Road in Danville, also in Hoopston, Westville, and Watsika. Make an appointment today at robchiro.com. That's R-O-B-C-H-I-R-O.com. Women's Care Clinic in Danville provides the love and support every woman deserves during pregnancy. The best news is all of our services are free. Free pregnancy tests, free ultrasounds for pregnancy confirmation, and even free consultations with medical professionals. And that's not all. 
We offer parenting education, mentoring for moms and dads, and help with adoption planning. We also work closely with many community agencies for all the support our families need. More than anything, Women's Care Clinic offers hope, compassion, and care to our clients of every age and background. We'd love to have you join us. To learn more, volunteer, or make a gift, visit danvillewcc.org or call 217-431-0987. Women's Care Clinic in Danville, changing lives one decision at a time. You're listening to Direct Line on 1490 WDAN. Well, welcome back to Direct Line. Uh, this is Stephanie, and Terry Goodwin is with me this morning. As we said before break, we're going to listen to the audio from the Building Block uh, documentary that was created with Center Street Productions and Second Church of Christ, which is going to tell you about uh, the program that is happening out at the Danville Correctional Center. We want you to stick around, listen to this, uh, the entire video of the Building Blocks documentary. Respect, responsibility, ownership, community, and empathy. Those are the five core principles of the Building Block Program that should be spread to everyone. Prison can just be dark. Prison will kind of get you at your lowest. Us coming from broken homes and broken families and just not really having too many people believing and caring us. You have the people you talk to and the people you don't. Then there's this dynamic of us versus them between inmates and staff. And then when you enter into the program, it allows you to get your head out of that dark period of your life. The Building Block program is something that's so different because it gives you a space inside the penitentiary that's a positive environment. Well, the goal wasn't to create better behaved inmates. It was to help men become better men, better versions of themselves, the men that they were supposed to become in the beginning. This goes against what I learned coming up through the ranks, but we're seeing a lot of success. Discipline is unbelievably down with the building block wings. Guys that are maybe not in the program any longer for whatever reason, their discipline is even down significantly because of being in the program. Staff seem to be more excited to come to work. You can see the change. We see it every day. So it's gonna take a community, right? right? That, is, that is constructed, right? right? In order to build up the character of individuals. It gives guys hope. Broken boys becoming better men. It gives someone a passion if they never had one. It gives somebody hope for the future. The moment they come on the wing that it's our program. So the minute you understand that it's ours, you want to take care of it. And that's a huge part of this. Well, these are our training grounds right here. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. The building block is 
it's positive change for these guys. I believe that it gives them opportunity and reasons to believe in themselves, knowing that there are possibilities other than violence, doing the wrong things. It, the little stuff turns into big stuff. So it makes you a little nervous. I'm the what if guy. If we implement this program, what's gonna happen? Something bad would happen on the wing, a fight or whatever. I would refer to it as the crumbling block. It took a little bit, a little bit of adjustment for us in our approach on how we're doing things. You get used to, okay, these guys come out at this time and they lock up at this time. And now we're letting them out so they can get in a group and have a conversation about anger management, parenting, financial. You know, the main focus is we want these guys to go home and not come back. I'm, I'm really surprised at the success of this program, how big it's gotten and how successful. This young man was, he was in trouble all the time. Phone issues, double trays, nothing, you know, big, but he was always in trouble. And he has made a drastic transformation. They, they thought um, I wasn't gonna make it on the building block because of the things I was doing. And a lot of people, they wanna be a part of once they see I can change. And I put my leadership forward, they wanna, and they wanna be able to change too. It's now, as we know it, the building block. But it originally started as just an idea for one deck to just have something that no other deck had. You're trying to make changes in your life and you're saying all the right things, but then where do you get to really practice it? Where do you get to try it out? There's a lot of fear that goes in that because you're confronted with a lot of opposition to what you're trying to be or who you're trying to be. So what if we could create an environment that was accepting of that? Each one of these principles you'll see here, and it's representative of a particular culture, and each culture and what they've kind of given back to society. So each panel describes the culture. So for Asian culture, we had, we had empathy. And then on the other side, we have kindness. And some of the things that they've given to society um, culturally is represented on the wall. And it goes all the way down to the truck, which is the focal point, which is kind of that pure American culture of a second chance with the restoration garage. The ownership of the wing is something that I didn't really expect. The vast majority of the guys on the wing didn't care what the wing looked like. They would throw trash on the wing. They'd peel paint. They'd write things. In society, you know, wherever they live, they didn't care about where they live. They didn't care about their neighborhood. A lot of guys just cared about themselves. These wings are the first time that they have realized that their actions affect someone else. How many people down the road it, it affects. It's been an eye opener to them. Telling a grown man to believe in himself, painting it on the wall, you know, it might seem like something that's not necessary, but it's, it's impactful because people actually see that on a daily basis, two, three, four, five times a day for six months, a year, or two years, three years and it begins to take root. They begin to, you know, not only just read them, but try to live up to them. It's a mentor-driven program. The guys come up with their own programming on the wings. They have their core values, and then, of course, they have the basic classes that they teach, like building block basics, effective communication, things like that. The original name of the program actually was the Compliance Wing. 
And so when we originally wrote the actual blueprint for the program, I started looking at the orientation manual and I looked and said, hey, we're actually required to make the beds up. I saw all the things that are actually the Illinois Department of Correction rules and guidelines that's already crystal clear. I said, let me put this in a proposal. Hey, what if we follow the rules? And so even though people think it's genius, this actually was already there, right? Nothing new under the sun. The blockers are chosen to speak a message of hope. And despite what people think, the Building Block Program is not a prison program. It is a life-changing program. If given the opportunity, it will change your life. If you don't believe me, check these guys out. If you don't believe me, check out the Educational Department in Danville Correctional Center. The Correctional Department staff is working hand-in-hand with the offenders in this facility, and they're making a difference. Please give yourselves some love. When I first heard about the building block, I was at a point in my life where a decision had to be made. The reality I was facing was, yeah, I got a lot of time to do, but the question was, what am I do with it? It's rewarding for me to see younger men be able to grasp what it is that I'm trying to share with them. You just keep pressing on and keep pressing on, then finally you see that light click on. That is very rewarding. People that's incarcerated, 90, close to 97% are going back home. And guys gotta be prepared for that moment to go back home and be able to be a law-abiding citizen. You can have like those aha moments. You know, I've had conversations where it's like, you know, hey, I talk to my son's mother now with those communication skills that we learned here, and I can see my son now. So by me not believing in myself, I didn't care about life. So when I first came to the building block, it didn't work out for me. I got high off people saying, oh, he's a bad guy. I got high off, oh man, you know, stay clear of that guy. I finally said, you know what, let me give this a try. And me being mentored have given me the opportunity to see me for who I am. And also I'm able to mentor my own daughter. I want to make my mother proud. I want to make my father proud. You know, I want to be someone my daughter actually wants advice from. I see not only life different, but I see individuals different. I, I value people's lives different, and I see value in other people. You know, I've been on the block for over a year now. It was kind of hard for me to get into the program at first. You know, having 27 years straight to do and, uh, and almost done, it's helped change me so much because I'm going out there with grandkids and you know, boys that's in the house, you know, and different things. So it's helped me be able to, like, look at them and understand the responsibility that I have and, like, how it hurts them if I leave again. To me personally, the vision is the future. It's, it's not this momentary thing that's going on. It's that guys can leave here with skills, you know, so they don't have to come back to prison. Does a building block actually work? You can't force them. You have to be willing to take the tools and use them. You have to be willing to change yourself. And we have lots of them that do do it. It betters the offender situation. It betters our situation. It's a much better situation for everybody involved. Believe it or not, the building block program, I think, is the byproduct of the Global Leadership Summit. You might say, I'm not really a leader. Leadership is never about title 
or position. Leadership is simply influence. People don't think about those little seeds. We've been neighbors to Danville Correctional Center for now over 35 years. I would drive by Danville Correctional Center. There probably wasn't a lot of time I really gave thought to what was happening there. And we had absolutely no relationship with the prison. We became very convicted by that. The conversation started as, what can we do as a church to serve what you're doing there? How can we help? My heart really changed for what was happening there, and doors just began to open. And this is what building block is consists of. It's pruning, cutting, clipping, and reminding people, man, that despite who you are, where you started, you can finish as a winner. By May of 2016, we had approval to do it, and we launched our first GLS at Danville Correctional Center. I don't think we realized it was actually the first prison in Illinois to host the Global Leadership Summit. The information that the mentors and facilitators obtain from the Global Leadership Summit, we then take it onto the building block and create classes. Like everybody took it back to the wing and they, they start you know, doing their research and so guys start embracing those things. They just want information. They want the knowledge to be part of something that's global, to be part of something that's happening on the outside. It, it's really important to them. If you have a vision that everybody believes in, it's too small for you. TDJ talked about having a dream big enough that will shake everybody to its core. It caught a vision in me to create a class called Purpose. A lot of people in and out of prison, they kind of just get in that rut. But once you can catch your purpose for your life, you'll be a garbage picker or you'll be a surgeon, a brain surgeon. But if that's been your purpose that you're living out in life, you'll live, a, to me, a fulfilling life. If I want forgiveness for my past, then I should be able to give somebody else a second chance. You know, I, I, I should be able to have those same things that I want, I understand somebody else wants. To actually say, hey man, I believe in you. That goes a long way. I chase character now, I'm building character. Character is what's gonna keep me in my daughter's life, not reputation. Like how about starting that trend where people leave Danville building block and they get jobs, they get education, they're changing the world, they're becoming mentors, they're on, on stages like the Global Leadership Summit, they're starting mentoring programs, they're doing things like that because of the experience that they have in Danville Building Block. Well, we want to say thank you again to Center Street Productions, which worked in conjunction with Second Church of Christ to create that uh, documentary. And uh, we hope that you learned a lot about what was going on out at the Danville Correctional Center. Stick around for the next segment. After this commercial break, we're going to be talking about um, and listening to the interview that was done with Ronaldo Hudson. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Linda Darby, and I'm part of the third generation of Darby's to own Sunset Funeral Home in Memorial Park. Since the 1960s, our family has been proud to serve Vermilion County by providing unmatched dedication and personalized service to families. And I'm Ross Darby. I'm part of the fourth generation in our family business. I want to introduce you to Hall of Fame plaques and signs. We promise to provide you with the same level of service at our sign shop that you've grown accustomed to at our funeral homes and cemetery. With a name like Hall of Fame, it's going to be great! 
You want to be confident that your investments are working for you. Wouldn't it be nice to know that you don't have to go far for the guidance to help make that happen? Dean Crandall works right here in Danville at Morgan Stanley's local office. As your financial advisor, Dean can help create a wealth plan and help you manage your investments. And he can help you work towards a comfortable retirement too. To make an appointment with Dean Crandall, call 217-477-0025. Morgan Stanley Smith Marty LLC. Member SIPC. Robinson Chiropractic wants you to know that you're never too young or old to benefit from chiropractic care. Robinson Chiropractic can help increase your mobility and range of motion. Plus, regular alignments just make you feel better. Come get acquainted today. Robinson Chiropractic is located at the corner of Vermillion and Poland Road in Danville, also in Hoopston, Westville, and Watsika. Make an appointment today at robchiro.com. That's R-O-B-C-H-I-R-O.com. Lakewood Insurance Agency can fulfill your farm and business insurance needs. As a result of our expertise in the insurance industry, we carefully examine your current coverages and recommend options best for your operation. Whether we insure you domestically or directly with Lloyd's of London, Lakewood has the experience to provide the best insurance for you. Service is most important in our agency. Bill and Mary Lou Knight and Justin Silver have your best interests at heart. Find Lakewood Insurance Agency on Facebook or call 217-260-5647. You're listening to Direct Line on 1490 WDAN. Well, welcome back to Direct Line. This is Stephanie, and with me this morning is Terry Goodwin, as Greg Taylor is on vacation this week. And we're looking forward to this next segment. You're going to be hearing an interview that was recorded Sunday morning, August 8th at Second Church of Christ. This is a live interview that was done with Dale Daniel, our executive minister, and Ronaldo Hudson, who uh, is a formerly incarcerated citizen at the Danville Correctional Center and who has uh, really created the building block program that is really taking the state of Illinois by storm. Uh, started here in Danville, and now it's kind of uh, the goal is to get the building block program into all prisons in Illinois. And so we're excited to present to you this interview that was recorded again on Sunday morning, August 8th in our service. Take a listen to Dale Daniel and Ronaldo Hudson. So Ronaldo, as you watched the film, what was going through your, your head? Man, a lot. Like, it's humbling. It's, it's amazing to see that the Bible is true when it says God's word would not go out and come back void. And so that is the byproduct of faith, you know, and people trusting that, you know, if you plant a seed, it will grow. Yeah. Amen. And so, and then seeing all of my peers is really amazing because I know what y'all don't know. Like, I know that there are gang bangers and there, everything you can imagine, right, is there. In addition to staff, right, because... One thing that we didn't mention earlier, I, I would be amiss if I didn't, is I knew that we had to get the buy-in of staff. And so we asked for the worst staff, or what was perceived as the worst staff that they might be here, and I want to be able to make it to the car. But <laughs> <laughs> Now you mean kind of like the, the hardest or the most stern? The, the most stern, yeah. those that was like the law, the law, the law, the law must be followed. I am Judge Dredd, right? The law, right? And I knew that if we could win them, then it would be a breeze. Because I already had autonomy and, and equity with my peers because I served where I was. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I want to begin with a question that's probably on everybody's mind. It's kind of the, maybe the elephant in the room. But so how is it that you're able to be with us here this morning? <laughs> the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when it comes like a tree of life. I was blessed that an organization called the Illinois Prison Project stepped into my life and decided to not litigate my case, but give the narrative of my story, right? And so when Jennifer Sobel, who is the, the executive director of the organization I actually work for as well, right, decided, I don't want to litigate your case, I want to tell your story of redemption. And so the redemption story of Ronaldo Hudson was told in a petition called Clemency, and Governor Prisker said, rehabilitated people should be free. People who have proven that they have taken a responsibility and accountability for their lives should be given a chance to go back to society and say, now what will you do for us? And I now pay taxes. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I now pay for people to be in prison. I'm kind of worried about that. But yeah, and so, so Governor Prisker granted me a clemency. But what most people don't know is I went from death to life. Right, so I had a death sentence. So when I heard that song, they sing, when death was arrested, my life began. And I was like, oh Lord, that is part of my testimony. And it was so rewarding to my spirit because I said, yeah, that's it. People need to see that God is still in the miracle business. Let's, amen, amen. Let's, let's dive deep into your story. Let's back up because um, the question is, how did you end up in prison? What were the events that led to your conviction? And what yeah. was your conviction? Well, I was convicted of murder, robbery murder. At the age of 19, I came up with the brilliant idea to rob a man and take his stuff. I thought that he had so much more than he had, but it don't start there. It started with me trying to feed my drug addiction uh, I attempted to self-medicate because of things I didn't want to face. I didn't want to face the fact that I had a family that couldn't love me because of the brokenness, because of so much trauma that had hit my family. Uh, just to tell you briefly, really quickly, at the age of six, my twin was kicked down a flight of stairs by my stepbrother and broke his neck and died. When I was 15, my brother William, who was a year older than me, decided to kill my family. And so he sh killed my auntie, killed my 13-year-old cousin, and shot six other family members. And I was the first one he shot. And so when I woke up in the hospital a month later, I was thinking I was the only one that got shot. And I found out how much he had actually did. And so when I recovered enough to go home, I was expecting to be embraced. Well, what I didn't understand as a 15-year-old kid is that I looked so much like my brother. And so my family rejected me, and the kids were afraid of me. And so there was no wraparound services, as you know, today, when shootings occur, uh, they have immediate assistance. I received my first treatment therapeutic session when I came home six months ago. It was the first time I actually was able to unpack that, right? And so I was attempting to hide. I was attempting to run from my reality that I wasn't strong enough at that time to face. And it led to a man by the name of Folk Peterson losing his life and my family losing me. 
you know, and oftentimes people don't think about the ripple effects of decisions. And so that is actually one of the motivational things for me with the building block was that I knew that I had a debt to pay. The confusing part was I thought I had a debt to pay to society. What was in reality, what I learned is I owed a debt to Christ and which was, was to confess my sins and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I wasn't the man that I should have been. And so society didn't forgive me, Christ did. And when Christ forgave me, it just rings out, you know. And that's what I love about the gospel, is that people will reject you, but Christ will accept you. And yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Let's talk about your faith journey, because uh, when you went into prison, and you were on death row for how many years? For 13 years. For 13 years. And uh, during a big part of that, you were not a Christ follower, and Christ was not a part of your life. What, mm. what was the point in which you experienced the redemption of Christ? Well, actually, I'm glad you <laughs> asked that question. It's kind of funny. I actually was so angry at the world that I became a member of the Nation of Islam. And so I began to learn the Bible to fight and beat Christians up. Because one of the things that I noticed is that many Christians don't read the Bible. They just listen to preachers. And so I used to always like go and find scriptures and I'd be like, they're not gonna be ready for me. I'm gonna get them. Like, I wish they would go to talking to me about this white baby Jesus. I'm gonna eat them up. And so that's my, that was my thing. Like I became a quoteologist, right? I didn't, I wasn't a, gospel follower. I was a quoteologist. So I knew Bible, but I wasn't living Bible and I wasn't breathing Bible. And so my first was the Nation of Islam. And then I got into an altercation with a staff member, right? And I'm saying that very carefully because he might be here. But uh, I did. And so I went to segregation and this warden came to my cell and he really went in on me, right? And one of the amazing things happened, though, is after he got through telling me about you're accountable for your conduct, you're going, you're going to be in segregation, and he was going down the laundry list. I'm like, all the things I already know, right? But then he said something that really had an impact on me. He said, hey, do you read the Bible? And to be honest, and I didn't tell you this earlier, Pastor, I was like, oh, I'm finna get to beat this warden white man up with the Bible, right? Because I was ready for that. He said, but I have a challenge for you. He said, for every scripture you quote, I'll take a day off of your segregational time. I say, what? Got him, right? Because I know Bible, like I know scriptures. And so he came back a week later, and I was like, yeah, wait, I, have to, I hit him with this one. And so he said, did you learn? I said, yeah, Jesus wept. <laughs> right? And so it was so funny because I was like, yeah, I was happy, like, I, Ooh, he thought he was smarter than me, didn't you, Mr. White Man, right? <laughs> but then he was smarter than me, though, because he was Bible-filled, and he was an evangelist that I didn't have no idea. And he said, okay, but why did Jesus wait? I said, that wasn't part of the deal. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to know that. But I began to explore, and I began to learn why Jesus wept. Jesus wept because people wasn't repenting. Right? Jesus wept because there was a big harvest out there and there were no laborers. And I began to learn these things. So the Bible began to become a living, live entity in my heart. 
right? And I began to see that there's power in the gospel, right? But I was still going to Muslim service. So I went to this service, and there's a thing that you do when you do the Fatiha, which is the most often prayer among Muslims, uh, you say. But with it, you say a verse, and I, or what they call an ayat. Because you have the surah, which is the surah, which is the chapter, and ayat, which is the verse in Arabic. And so I used to quote this ayat that says, Allah beget not, nor is he begotten. But then I start hearing John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I say, hey, there's a conflict going on here. And I have to choose what's right. Like, I have to make that decision. So I stepped away from Islam, and I stepped into the loving gospel, and my life has just been so amazingly different. Like, even while waiting to die, because I never thought I would be sitting here, but I knew I would be sitting here because my faith never died, right? I just couldn't see when the door would open. And I even used to fight like Pastor Miller. Me and him have this ongoing thing now. Some of y'all know Pastor Miller here, right? Uh, he used to do his services, and he would say, there's a brother here that's never going home, and y'all all going home, and y'all need to praise the Lord. And I'd say, excuse me? Jesus is still sitting on the throne, and so I don't know if he letting you know some stuff that you might want to tell me, but I'm going to just keep believing God for my freedom, <laughs> right? So thank you very much with all due respect. Yeah, and so look, yeah. so I get to tease him now. Yeah, that's good, that's good. Um, so, you know, we've been talking about redemption. That's kind of our, our theme here. And, you know, I believe that when we experience redemption, that we are called to be conduits of redemption into other people's lives. How, how has that played out in your life? How have you become a redemptive influence in other people's lives? Man, I learned something really simple. I used to frown all the time, like, just mugged up, right? Y'all notice if y'all even go and search the, the incarcerated citizens website, they call offenders website, you'll see everybody. Right? I began to smile. And I discovered when I smiled, people were invited. They felt more welcomed. And I said, oh, so this is an agree. This is a formula. Frown, they run away. Smile, they come your way. Ah! And that's really a simplistic, you know, example of how the gospel changes you. And so I went from being one of the most feared people in corrections to one of the most, you know, loved, right? And it's funny because when I was a thug, the thugs really loved me, right? And the staff couldn't stand me. When I started walking with Christ, they both took issue with me <laughs> because I would call people on stuff. I would say, listen, I'm not going to judge you. Because the Bible says, judge not that you be judged, for by the same as you judge, you shall be judged. But that does not mean you should not call to attention. Hey, listen, that's not right. We shouldn't do that. Or I wouldn't do that. I would use that expression a lot. I would use the first personal pronoun a lot. Man, I hear you, but I'm just not going to do that because I don't think God would be pleased with me. And I'm believing God for a miracle, right? And as I walk, and don't, and it's not my goodness that God moved in my life because the love and grace of God is not predicated on how good you are or how innocent you are. He's predicated on the fact that he's God. And the Bible says the eyes of the Lord look to and forth on the earth 
the same whose heart is made perfect toward him, that he may show himself strong. And I knew my heart was given to Christ. And I knew that it was just a matter of time before God showed it to the world. And so, yeah, redemption. Amen. Yeah. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. I've seen redemption play out, of course. I seen how you pour into the lives of other men and you just have a passion for them to become not no and i forget the, you have this phrase that you you often use it but it's, it's like um don't let your past define you who you are because god's got a much better plan in mind for you you know to to realize your capacity yes. of what god wants to do in yeah. your life and i think it's part of what i've seen you do in uh, the redemptive process you know yeah. I got one more question yes, for you. Boy, time is just, boy, running out quick here. I'll come back. All right. Y'all accept me back. So, <laughs> Hebrews 13, 3 says, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if yourself were suffering. Yeah. yeah. So, how should the church embrace this passage with regard to how we serve incarcerated men and women? Yeah, I would simply say, put yourself in those shoes. Like, what if you went to, to prison, right? Would you want to be shown any compassion? Like, the Bible teaches us those that desire mercy must be merciful. And so I think if people just move out of the way of the world's perception of what's good and what's bad, and simply say, listen, this person may not deserve my sense of grace, but they are welcome to God's grace because I can't regulate it. As much as we can regulate things, you can't regulate what God will do in anyone's life. All we can do is get out the way. And how we get out of the way is we go visit the prisons, right? How we get out of the way of crisis, we go and say, hey, I'm going to do this video visit and I'm going to adopt three people. And once a month, I'm going to rotate and say, hey, listen, I didn't come to pay your bills. I ain't coming to send you the commissary, but I come to remind you that there's a God that loves you. And he wanted you to get a visit so that I could be the witness that you heard the gospel. Right. Because that's really what that's about mm -hmm. is to go in to bring people to repentance, not to go to prison to take care of people. And so it's not a call to say, OK, this is a new bill. Right. I'm now paying for Ronaldo to eat ramen noodles, right, more frequently. But it is a call to say, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and I'm going to go look at someone that I think is lower than me. Because that's really what it comes down to, prisoners, citizens. No, it's people. And it's the sick that need the physician, right? And so how dare you be a physician with all of your righteousness and all of your goodness that you say, but I'll keep it to myself. So we're called to go out and fish. The Bible says that the corn is in the, right? In the fish's mouth, right? So if Jesus was moved with compassion when he looked out and saw the sheep scattered, that's called penitentiary dwellers, right? The sheep are all in penitentiaries all over the place, right? And he says, I pray that you pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more laborers for the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Are you a laborer? Are you willing to say, my life will not belong to me, but to Christ? And I mm. did that in prison. And that's what made it work. Because I started fishing where I was. And I knew, even though I was in prison, I was visiting the prisoners. 
Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Ronaldo. Thank you so much. God bless you, my friend. Well, what a powerful interview that was between Dale and Ronaldo, don't you think, Terry? Yeah, that was a great interview, and we're excited to, to wrap up the show in just a few minutes, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back with you. Lakewood Insurance Agency can fulfill your farm and business insurance needs. As a result of our expertise in the insurance industry, we carefully examine your current coverages and recommend options best for your operation. Whether we insure you domestically or directly with Lloyd's of London, Lakewood has the experience to provide the best insurance for you. Service is most important in our agency. Bill and Mary Lou Knight and Justin Silver have your best interests at heart. Find Lakewood Insurance Agency on Facebook or call 217-260-5647. You want to be confident that your investments are working for you. Wouldn't it be nice to know that you don't have to go far for the guidance to help make that happen? Dean Crandall works right here in Danville at Morgan Stanley's local office. As your financial advisor, Dean can help create a wealth plan and help you manage your investments. And he can help you work towards a comfortable retirement too. To make an appointment with Dean Crandall, call 217-477-0025. Morgan Stanley Smith Marty LLC. Member SIPC. Looking for a job that offers flexible hours, competitive pay, 401k options, and a few extra perks? This is Deanna Witzel from the Witzel Family McDonald's, and we are hiring. It's easy to apply. Stop by your local McDonald's restaurant or apply online at mchire.com today. This is Rob Witzel, Area Supervisor. We are hiring managers, custodians, and crew members at all locations in Covington, Danville, Oakwood, Hoopston, and Georgetown. Hourly pay for custodians and crew members is up to $13 an hour, and manager pay is up to $17 an hour. Just fill out the online application today at mchire.com or stop by any of our locations. This is Charlie Jeffers, training manager. As a member of the McDonald's team, you'll receive a competitive wage, a work schedule based on your availability, meal discounts, 401k options, and more. Open interviews are held every Monday from 3 to 5 p.m. Stop by any of our locations for hiring information in person or apply at mchire.com and your McDonald's opportunity can begin today. You're listening to Direct Line on 1490 WDAN. Well, welcome back to Direct Line. It's Stephanie and Terry, and we're hoping that Greg is having a great vacation while he's away. I think he's with his son this week down south, yes, maybe in New Orleans or something. So uh, Greg will be ready for you to come back next week and hop back in the saddle. Hey, we could not do what we do at Direct Line without the support of, obviously, Second Church of Christ, but also from our great sponsors. And um, I'm going to read those off to you. There's some awesome people. Don and Deanna Witzel with McDonald's. Chris and Daisha Robinson with Robinson Chiropractic. Bill and Mary Lou Knight with Lakewood Insurance, the Darby family with Sunset Funeral Home, the team at Hans Tank Wash, and Dean and Gina Crandall with Morgan Stanley. Well, what do we take away from Ronaldo's story? Uh, what do we take away from his testimony that we just heard? And for me, it's all about redemption and all about the idea that God never gives up on us. Right. Ronaldo was in a really tough spot at the beginning of his life and, and growing up. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't dealt the best set of cards really right, right. and uh he he landed himself in prison and mm-hmm. uh he admits to to what happened mm-hmm. but i i love the story of him choosing to to let his life be transformed by god and uh that was that was powerful to hear Absolutely. and uh it didn't just happen once the idea <laughs> of his his death sentence being mm-hmm. commuted mm-hmm. and then eventually being released 37 mm-hmm. years later that's just powerful to see now what god has planned for him 
now that he's been released. It's you exciting. know, one of the thing I, things I was thinking as he was talking, he said he was on death row. Now, Daniel Correctional Center does not have death row, do they? Right. So he was in Pontiac. Is that where he was on death row? I is don't that know what place. I don't okay, know I think I heard him say something in some conversation that Pontiac. So I just wanted to make sure that people, I, I, I don't know if we understood that part of the story. He wasn't on death row here in Danville. So he had gotten, I guess, transferred out of death row. Is that right? That's my understanding. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But just the transformation that happened in his life was amazing. And let's talk a little bit just about, I felt like the Holy Spirit yesterday was just so moving um, in, in the service. Um, you know, you were able to talk about something that had happened out at the um, out at the correctional center and someone was in the in the service that didn't know you were going to say that and it really touched them. I mean, just the chance to be able to pray with them, to pray for them. Ronaldo was able to pray with this person. I mean, I, it just felt so amazing, you know, to feel the spirit move in, right. in the way that he did. And I think that happens when people tell their stories mm-hmm. because you you can't say, oh, well, those three points that the preacher made, I don't agree right. with them. I mean, it's it's someone's story, you know, yeah. it's so powerful, so powerful. And we're real and authentic with our life. Mm-hmm. It, that's that's when we touch each other's lives. It's right. why we like to tell stories to one another. It's right. like why we like to talk to one another Absolutely. because it's real. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I love about the correctional center here in town is, is when I have the opportunity to serve there when I have an opportunity mm-hmm. to volunteer we get to hear these real stories right. from guys that admit they've done wrong mm-hmm. but they want us they want their life to get better and they want to be prepared right. Right. for when they uh, re-enter society so you said yesterday that the the correctional center is looking for volunteers yes. and you are like a contact person yes if I'd you're love interested for in getting contact me yeah. you can email me at terry at secondchurch.com and I would love to get you connected with the people that can help you volunteer out there. Mm-hmm. They're in need of several volunteers right. right now, and we would love to help you get connected in that way. Awesome. Give Terry a call. Well, we have about one minute left, and Greg always likes to close with a good news segment, so we're going to keep that going. I think the good news segment for us all around here at Second Church is our great volunteers. What a good job they did this past week at the Global Leadership Summit. I mean, those were amazing volunteers. They were. They do such a great job with yep. cleaning, with with working, with preparing yeah. snacks, with preparing meals, just basically supplying anything somebody could need. Absolutely. They're there to do that. Way to go, Second Church volunteers. We are sure proud of you, and you you did us you did us good, all of us. So thank you for all that you do. Hey, we're out of time. It's been another great show. Thanks to Dale Daniel, uh, to Ronaldo Hudson, to Center Street Production, who really all had a part in today's show. And again, if you want to get involved in volunteering out at the Correctional Center, reach out uh, to Terry Goodwin at secondchurch.com. Terry at secondchurch.com. That's That's right. right. Hey, have a great week. Get to church this weekend, and we'll see you next week.